Hello everyone, welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Thanks for listening. The Tiny Devotions Invocation says, As much as you wander in the world, always remember to journey within yourself. Stop searching outside of yourself for all of the wisdom that is inside of you. Be gentle with yourself, dance with your feminine, play to the depths of your soul, turn down the volume outside of yourself and start listening within. Tiny Devotions is one of the world's best mala makers. They are an incredible company and I'm such a proud ambassador and we are working together to bring love and intention and mala beads to the world. So this week they're offering all of our listeners a special discount code, enter RADLOVE, R-A-D-L-O-V, as you check out to get a special price on all their products. Hello everyone, welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I am so excited and so unbelievably honored to introduce our guest today. This man has inspired millions of people around the world. He has the third most viewed TED Talk of all time, and his name is Simon Sinek. Simon is a visionary thinker with rare intellect. This man inspires people all over the world to teach them how to find inspiration and how to begin to bring that into the world. He is the best-selling author of Start With Why and Leaders Eat Last. His latest book just launched, and it's also on the New York Times bestseller list. It is called Together Is Better. He is such an incredible human being, and I can't wait for you to hear his thoughts on inspiration, on what he thinks about yoga and meditation, and how we can really practice being present in today's age. It was such an honor and a privilege to have him as a guest, and I can't wait for you all to hear the conversation that we had. Can you tell us a little bit more about the purpose behind why you wrote this book? Yeah, sure. So um, so I'm... I'm you know, all of my work has a theme that runs through it, um, which is that we're social animals and that we need each other. And by ourselves, we're not very good. By ourselves, we can't lift heavy weight, and by ourselves, we can't solve complex problems, but together, we're amazing. And I think many of us have learned this lesson the hard way throughout our lives, which is when we try and do everything ourselves or when we lie, hide, and fake that we know all the answers or we have everything under control. And some of us, you know, and I've certainly been through this, where we pretend that we're more in control or more unsuccessful than we feel, it's, it's actually debilitating, uh, even harmful. And it's, uh, it's only when we learn to ask for help or uh, accept help when it's offered 
can we truly find um, what we're looking for? Can we truly uh, follow our dreams? Can we, we can truly change our lot um, and really find fulfillment? And, you know, my, my previous work, um, I made a similar case, but I made it using biology and anthropology and neuroscience. And uh, I thought, what a nice thing to do to just write something that was simple and easy and delightful. You know, I have, an, I, uh, I have a niece and a nephew, and they're little kids, and I've always loved the stories that can be told with just pictures and so few words, and kids learn really important moral lessons without any neuroscience, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so so can we. And so I just I set out to produce something delightful. That was my goal. My goal from the very beginning was to produce something delightful. Yeah, and I really like that it was filled with illustrations so you know, it's obviously it's different from the work that you've done in the past. So why why did you want to create the book in this way? Uh, again, my inspiration was a children's book, you know, and I went to the, the bookshop and just wandered around for inspiration. I, I found myself in the children's book sections and fell in love with so many of the illustrations, even more than some of the words. You know, yeah, and 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 I wanted to have an illustrated book, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but, but more importantly, more importantly, I wanted others to have one too. You know, right. when you look at someone's bookshelf and they have all these big, thick, important books, leadership, you know, <laughs> and all this stuff, and so why not something? Why not something cute and simple and delightful that's really easy to get and just makes you smile, and yet the message is um, still very adult. Yeah, you know, the first thing I noticed was the cover. So is there a special, like, like message, or is there a special symbolism behind the cover of the book? Well, you know, it's, um, there's a, it's, it's a slightly, um, uh, it's a bit of an a, 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 a oxymoron on the cover, because, you know, leadership is usually um, symbolized with crowns or rank, you know, uh-huh, somebody uh-huh. who's the king or a queen is of the highest rank, they're the quote-unquote leader, right? right. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you know from reading the story, um, the, the king of the playground um, ends up giving away his crown, um, and, and the crown continues to get passed on, and nobody actually wears the crown ever again. And so um, it, it's, just, it's just a little foreshadowing where the crown has ended up on the grass, uh-huh. you know, because leadership, leadership is not about the crown you wear, it's about the person you are. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, and, and that's, you know, I really love that part of the story. And again, just following the, the journey, you know, of of the kids and it's just, it was such a great, great, great story, you know, and and I think that us as adults can learn a lot from it. What I really liked about the book as well was that it was an experience, like the whole book was an experience, Right. So, yeah. uh, I love the smell of optimism. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's really Thank cool. You. Um, and, Thank you. and so what, how did you decide to add that as part of the experience of the book? Um, so I, I went to an event and by sheer coincidence was seated at a table next to Sam and Dawn Goldworm who own the company 1229. Um, they're the ones who designed the scent for me. You know, we were just talking, and I asked them what they do, and they told me that they design custom scents for brands, and they, that's what they do. They scent rooms, and they make create experiences. And I asked them, have you ever scented a book? And they said, no. I said, well, we should do that. We should scent a book. Let's find out if it's even possible, you know? So they did a little investigation and said, yes, it's doable. And I went to my publisher, and I said, I want to scent the book, and I've already done all the research. I already know everything, and we've already got the scent design. And so, I'm, uh, uh, and 
so I have an amazing publisher who worked hard to overcome a lot of the hurdles that we had, and we, we managed to get it done. Um, I'm really proud of it. I think it's the first book ever, definitely the first book, adult book ever, that, um, that is centered. Yeah, I thought that was so, I, that was, you know, one of my favorite parts for sure is having that, you know, I actually brought the book with me to visit my family and there's uh, some, some teenagers around and part of that process was me wanting to bring this book to share it with them and, you know, these kids, they're teenagers and, and they're, you know, a, a little bit on the at-risk youth side, you know, so this was a really fun kind of project to, to do with them and that was a big hit, like the smell of optimism. <laughs> if you can get that, that bottled, that I, I think that you can definitely, mm -hmm. you know, get it into like sacks oh, or something. That's very nice of you. Like, <laughs> I mean, look. At the end of the day, I wrote a book. I wrote a book called "Together Is Better in a Digital World." You know. Yeah. And so many of our relationships are now, um, un, you know, unbalanced in the in in a, on a digital side. Yeah. You know, we text more than we speak. Uh, we email more than we get up and walk across a hallway and talk to people. Um, we, we were, you know, we, we consider Facebook friends, real friends, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I'm ta not talking about the ones where you use Facebook to stay in touch with real friends. I'm talking about the ones that just exist online, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of the words that are, are human have lost their meaning, you know, um, community is like an online thing now, you know? Um, and so I wanted to make the case for together is better. And I thought, how do I create a completely analog experience? How do I create a completely human experience? A, cre a completely, you know, real life in this real world, totally present experience. And um, illustrations make it more difficult. You can't put it on a traditional black or white, black and white, you know, e-reader. Right. It has to be something more dynamic, like an, like an iPad. So that already adds one level of complication. Mm -hmm. um, but scent is, as is present, completely unreproducible in a digital format. Um, in other words, this book cannot exist in its purest form in a digital format at all. And I'm really proud of that. Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you bring up, you know, something I actually wanted to ask you about, you know, because Together is Better does emphasize the, important, the importance of togetherness. And, you know, how does social media work in this dynamic? And it, do you think that the, the social age we're in now does it work for us in this context or does it work against us? And how do we begin to integrate the two? You know, how do we, yeah. you know, combine those or we can't, you know, I don't know. This is a good yeah. question for you. So it's, it's not one or the other. It's, it's about balance, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, alcohol is not bad for you. Too much alcohol is bad for you, you know? Yeah. Um, um, gambling is not dangerous. Too much gambling is dangerous. Um, and it's all about balance, you know, even think about food, food's not bad for you, but if you eat too much of it, it's bad for you, yeah. you know? And, and so social media, uh, and, and cell phones are the same. They're wonderful technologies that help us stay connected to people out there. They allow us to, you know, exchange quick, quick pieces of information, um, uh, at a, at a, 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 while we're walking. I mean, it, it's wonderful stuff, but the question is how much of it is out of balance in our lives, um, you know, do you have a fight with your loved one over text? Um, um, do you break up with someone by ghosting them, or do you have a confrontation? Um, um, do you exchange compliments and criticisms over email as opposed to talking to somebody? Mm -hmm. um, how much of your, you know, can you, are you a leader? Are you a leader if you sit behind a desk and, and only operate over email? Um, you know, so I think, I, think, I think it's not that technology is bad, but I think in too many of our lives, 
um, it is out of balance. And I think we need to find a better balance between real human relationships and how we use technology uh, alongside those technology relationships, but not in place of um, uh, those relationships, where real human communication is not replaced by digital communication, but enhanced by it. And I think for too many of us, um, it, 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 it's out of balance. You know, if you're on email, checking work email when you're at dinner with your family, if you're texting a friend who's not there when you're at dinner with your friend, there's a problem. Yeah, I mean, I see this all the time. You know, I can go out, you know, and have dinner with a friend or, you know, meet somebody for tea or coffee. And you, I just look around and these people are sitting across from each other, but then they're both on their phones, you know, and it's just, it's more often than mm-hmm. not. Or people checking out, you know, I just noticed this the other day at the grocery store as I'm checking out, like I'm trying to, you know, be present. I teach yoga and meditation and the importance of mindfulness, you know, so I'm always trying to be as mindful as I can. You know, and, mm-hmm. and there are certain things that I have rules. Like if I'm checking out at the grocery store, I'm not on my phone. I'm looking at the person that's checking, checking yeah. me out. And like I ask them how their day is and I, I just try to be there, you know. And, yeah. and when I'm doing that and I'm looking around and so many people are either zoned out or they're on their phone or they're not paying attention. And there's yeah. so many, you know, you've been to a grocery store. There's so many people there. What a great place to like interact well, with other humans, you know. Well, forget it. Not not just the grocery store. When you're with people you actually know, yeah. I mean, when you're at, when you're sitting at a you know when you're on the phone when you're when you're at dinner with somebody, then you're not at with you're not at dinner with them. You're just sitting at the same table at as them. You know, um, you might they might as well be strangers, um, because it's, human relationships are built upon the engagement. Um, and and then when you both put your phones away, then you know you, I see it all the time. People just stare off into space. Because it takes a while for the conversation to get going, and if you keep, keep interrupting it, then it has to keep resetting, you know, and you end up having a very unfulfilling night with each other. Um, and, um, and, and we're seeing it. We're already seeing an increase in, in depression, an increase in suicide, an increase in uh, uh, addiction to, to prescription drugs. Uh, you know, young people are taking leaves of absence due to depression uh, from college, taking leaves of absence from college due to depression in levels that have never been experienced before. Um, so, unfortunately, yoga has, doesn't fix that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, 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 uh, being, being present fixes that. And the irony is, is I, I don't even think people realize what being present means. You don't get to decide if you're being present. You know, people are like, oh, yeah, I'm totally present. I like to be something <laughs> in the moment. Like, find my breath. It's like, that's not what being present means. You, you, you're not present until you make somebody else feel like they matter in your life. You're not being present until somebody else feels heard or feels seen. You don't get to decide if you're being present. You're present when somebody else says you are. Oh, you know? That's interesting. So, uh, and I think that is a much higher standard than, than most of us practice. We think just because we found our breath and I'm being off the mat, give me a break, right? That's the most selfish disposition I've ever heard. Yes, take everything you learn in yoga, take everything you learn in meditation, take everything you learn in being mindful, absolutely, and use those as tools to be present in the life of others. That's all they are. They are tools. There are tools in, 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 a, in, in your toolbox that you can use, that you can practice, not for you to find presence, but for you to be present in the lives of others. And that's where true fulfillment, true joy, and true happiness comes. You do not get to decide if you are present. You are not present until somebody else says you are. And I can tell you on that standard, most of us fail miserably. Mm. 
How do you see that? You know, how do you, what do you see happening with that in the future? I mean, where does it start to change? You know, how do we start to change that to become more present or to become more together with the people, even just the people in our lives, our loved ones? Well, well, you know, technology has addictive qualities to it. And I'm not just like being like an old man here. Like, <laughs> like there's science behind this. You know, social media and cell phones releases a chemical called dopamine. And dopamine is the same chemical that's released when we drink, when we smoke, and when we gamble. Almost all addictions are dopamine-based addictions. In other words, it's, a, it's, a, it's an absolutely a, a, um, addictive device um, that is not yet diagnosed as addiction. And most of us, I, I, I not too many of us, have an addiction to technology. You know, when you're out for dinner with friends and you, you feel compelled to check Instagram, while you're at dinner with your friends, go ahead, take a picture of your food, but you don't have to post it now, 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 mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, and just like, uh, and, and so you ask the question, so what are we supposed to do? Well, just like an alcoholic cannot trust their willpower, they have to take the alcohol out of their house because we're not that strong. The same goes for our phones. You can't trust your willpower because you're just not that strong. You know, sure, you can say, I'll leave it in my, my coat pocket when I go out for dinner or leave it in my bag, but as soon as your friend goes to the bathroom, what's the first thing we all do? Pull out our cell phone, mm-hmm. right? So, so what I do, what I try and practice is having the phone nowhere near me. So when I go out for dinner, I leave my phone at home. Who am I calling? I'm with my friends. And if I need it to call an Uber or something, usually what I'll do is I'll bring, like, if a group of us are going out, we'll bring one phone, you know, so we can call something. Or if we all in different, live in different places, I will hand my phone to the person I'm going out with. So we all trade phones. So you don't even have your own phone until the end of the night when we all want to go home. Right? So, so if they go to the bathroom, they're taking my phone with them. There's nothing I can do. I have to just sit and enjoy the room and watch people, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and practice being present so that when my friend comes back, I can be present for them. You're not present by yourself looking around the room. That's practicing, right? Mm-hmm. So... So I, I'm a great believer in removing the, 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 the device because then it makes us actually relax. I'll, I'll do workshops with people, and I make them all put their phone in a basket. And people look at me with me, you know, they think I'm being mean. And you know what happens? They relax. And you know what happens in the breaks? In the breaks, when we take bio breaks, nobody goes to the basket to get their phone. They look. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you, if you charge your phone to your bed, then you're keeping it next to you. That means you're checking the phone before you fall asleep. And if you wake up in the middle of the night, the first you check thing. your phone. And if you wake up in the morning and you check your email, you check your phone before you say good morning to the person who's sleeping next to you, that's called addiction. And so charge your phone in the living room, not the bedroom. You know? And if people say, well, that's my alarm clock, okay, so buy an alarm clock. You know? An alarm yeah. clock costs like $8. You know? Um, so... So that's the point, is that keep, keep the device away, and it actually helps. And, and I've, I've suffered. I've had this. You know, I, and so I've practiced this. I'm at the point now, just from practice, by not bringing my phone out with me, from leaving it in the car, for giving it to somebody when I go out, all of this stuff, that now when my phone rings, or I don't even, like, lunge for it. I'd be like, it's like, whatever, I'll get it later, you know? Mm-hmm. Where before I used to, like, go dashing for my phone to see who it is, you know? And how long has that taken you now? How long has it been in recovery? <laughs> yeah, so, uh, it's, you know, it's never perfect, but I think that I have achieved greater balance than I had before, um, without a doubt. Um, um, and it's not about whether you're on it or whether you're off it. It's about whether you have balance in your life. 
Right. And it's been a couple years now, and I can tell you my friendships are better, my relationships are better because of it. Yeah, what about... In other words, I am being more present, and my friends have recognized it. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things, too, to to consider is is, you know, when people have a business that revolves around the social media aspect, you know, like the people that are constantly posting or constantly interacting with either fans or they're interacting with, you know, people on the other line. I think that that's where sort of that, that comes in. But I think to your point is to be able to find the balance of when the cutoff time is, you know, I think that when there's not the cutoff, that's where things start to get, you know, And, 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 and if you're online engaging with your fans or whoever, while you're at dinner with your family, then your priorities are in the wrong place. How would you define inspiration for you today? Oh, I think um, inspiration is a spark. It's that thing that gives you the energy to to keep driving, to keep going. Um, and, uh, and inspiration works best when it comes um, from the service to another or the responsibility to another, you know? Like, it's 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 the energy we find to 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 do something bigger than ourselves. Um, I think inspiration is the, that internal flame that gives our life meaning. I mean, it, 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 the root of in, of inspiration means breath. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that's what it is. It's breath. It gives us life. You know, and I think it's different from motivation. You know, it's why I, I hate it when people describe me as a vo- motivational speaker. It's like. <laughs> No, you know, I can motivate you with a, I can motivate you with money and I can motivate you with uh, a whip Mm. and I can motivate you by promising you something or scaring you with something. I can motivate you. But inspiration, like I have to offer you a dream. I have to offer you a promise of something bigger. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to commit to something that's distant and far off and it's not there and I'm a liar, then you'll never, you'll never believe me again. Yeah. And so I have to, I have, you know, inspiration is, 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 is the, the, the stakes are higher. (laughs) <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and I would rather wake up in the world to feel inspired and inspire others than simply to feel motivated and motivate others. Um, I want to be inspired to get out of bed. I don't want to be motivated to get out of bed, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, no, and I think that that's, that's hugely what I feel that this book did, um, really, uh, is, is what, what I felt that the the heart of the book was, it was definitely something very inspiring. Do you, you just said, you. you, you talked about just now, um, you know, of knowing where you're going, et cetera. So do you think it's important to know where you're going or to know what your purpose is? So if you're going to fill up your car and go on vacation, do you think you need to know where you're going or do you think you can just get in the car and drive? Right, uh-huh. um, and it might be exciting at the beginning, um, but at some point, it's going to be like, all right, I've been on the road for ten hours, you know. Um, so, so it's the same thing. Of course, you know where you're going, um, and I think very often we forget about this. You know, we often plan the route but not the destination, um, just to follow the metaphor through. You know, mm-hmm. as if it's as if you ask somebody, "Where are you going?" and they say, "Vacation." You go, "Awesome." Where are you going? They said, "Vacation." You're like, "Great." Where are you going? They said, "I told you, I'm going on vacation." They're like, okay, well, then how are you going to get there? Well, like, I'm taking the I-5, you know, you know? And so people tell you the route, and then they plan these metrics. They, my goal is to drive 100 miles a day, you know? Mm-hmm. And so 
okay, but where are you going? And this is what we do. We, we, we figure out a route. You know, we, we come up with these abstract goals, like, what, what do you, what, you know, why are you in business? Growth. Okay, but why do you want to grow? Growth. Okay, I get that, but what's the purpose of growing? Because I'm a business, and I have a, I have a plan. I, I'm going to make this amount of money per year, and I'm counting my metrics how to make it. Like, okay, that's all fine and good, but w- to what end? You know? Yeah. It's the same in anything. You're like, what, what's, what's your goal? To be present. Awesome. Why? Because that's what I do. Okay, <laughs> why do you want to be present? Because it's good to be. Okay, so my plan is to meditate every single day and do yoga three times a week. So, okay, you figure out the route. You figure out some matchup goal, but what's the point of it all? Right? Mm-hmm. Because it feels better. I'm like, well, that's selfish. You know? So I, I, when you have a sense of purpose, when you have a, a why, mm-hmm. it's, you know, I'm going to, where are you going? California. How are you going to get there? I-5. You know? And that way it gives you flexibility. What happens if there's traffic on the I-5? Just change directions. But you're always moving towards the, the destination. You're always moving towards California. And this is what gives your life a sense of purpose. Though you may not go in a straight line, you are always moving towards the destination. And you may never get there, but you will, your, your whole life will, be, will feel like you're getting closer and closer. That's the difference between a goal and a vision. Mm-hmm. A goal is something achievable, right? I'm going to drive 100 miles a day. Great. A vision is a, is a sense of a, of a world that's different to the world we live in now, that you're going to commit your life to help building, even if you never get there. You know, we've never, we've never fully achieved civil rights, but my goodness, we're going to die trying. That's the point. We've never truly achieved the vision that was uh, laid out for us by our founding fathers, that all men are created equal in the United States, but my goodness, we'll die trying. And that's the point. It's about the journey of constant m- movement. It's about a journey of constantly feeling like we're moving in the right direction as opposed to random directions, chasing shiny objects, chasing the next thing that, that, that sounds good or feels good, but rather committing ourselves to the difficult, long, tiresome journey of advancing a cause bigger than ourselves. And here's the kicker. It's an amazingly f- more fun journey if you go with somebody. Mm-hmm. And so if you're able to share your destination, to share your vision in words with another, and they say, oh, my God, I want to go there with you, then you take a road trip with someone. And though it may not go in a straight line, and though there will be roadblocks and storms, and though there will be sunny days and beautiful views and ugly views and boring parts and exciting parts, it's the person who's sitting next to you in the car that makes the journey worth it. That's what it means to live a life of purpose. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's so true. Thank you for that. So passion or purpose? Passion is a result. People are like, oh, I, you know, I only hire passionate people. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're passionate for interviewing, but not so passionate for working. I have passion. Not all the time. No, you don't. That's a lie. I can tell you if you make me an accountant, I'm not passionate. <laughs> right? Right. So passion is a result. Passion's like profit. If you engage in something that you believe in, you will be passionate. If you're engaging in something you don't believe in, you will not be passionate. In fact, you will be stressed. We work very, very hard on things we don't care about. That's called stress. And we work very, very hard for things we do care about. That's called passion. So you can't manufacture passion. Passion comes as of the result of being involved with or around people who feed us and inspire us. It's not an input. It's an output. People treat it like it's gas you put in a car. No, it's not. It's not. It's what comes out of the car. It's an output. It's like profit, like I said. Yeah. 
you work hard towards something, you will feel passion, and that passion will continue to fuel you for sure. But you don't, you don't sit there with nothing and just expect passion to make you go. It doesn't work that way. What issues do you think we as students in life should focus most on? Taking care of each other. Mm. There's an entire section in the bookshop called self-help. There is no section in the bookshop called help others. And the joke is, when we commit ourselves to serving each other, that is when we find joy. That is when we find happiness. That is when we find fulfillment. Parents don't have children so that they can brag to everybody how great parents they are. Nobody sits down when they go up uh, for dinner with friends and talks about how great they are and all the things they did for their kids. They talk about all the things that their kids do. Right. Right? Well, great leaders don't sit around and talk about what they did. Great leaders talk about what their people have accomplished, what their people do. The amazement that they have in just the brilliance and, and, and drive and, and, and camaraderie that their people have. So even, even when people set out to be mindful or do yoga or be present or meditate, are you doing it for yourself or are you doing it for others? Because I'm all in favor of a meditation practice so that you can find the breath and find the peace so that you are strong enough to be there for someone else. I'm all in favor of somebody doing yoga so that they have the ability to sit for a long time to hear someone's problems. I'm all in favor of people practicing mindfulness so they can be totally present when they're with their friends, so when their friends go home, when your friends go home, they will say of you how special you make them feel, that you make them feel seen and you make them feel heard. And I, the question I ask is, are you practicing those things for you? Or are you practicing those things so you can be better at being there for others? So what I want people to practice is service. I want people to practice being there for each other. I want people to practice putting whatever amazing happened in your day so that you can aside, so that you can listen to the horrible day your friend had. I want you to be the person that somebody feels that they can call no matter what. And you, we have tons of tools at our disposal, more than ever before. All of these, all of these, eating healthy and exercise and yoga and mindfulness and meditation—amazing tools to better equip us to be there for each other. Because if you have no energy, how can you be there for others? If you don't sleep well, how can you be there for someone else? If you have an addiction for tech to technology, how can you be there for someone else? If you're, no, if you're not capable of being present and able to focus your attention on one person. I mean, some people are so good at sitting on a cushion for tw 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, and are able to say that and have a, um, an empty mind where they have no thoughts. And if they have a thought, they label it and put it aside and are totally present. And they're looking in black space with their eyes closed. And then they sit across the table from somebody and they're incapable of putting anything but their own thoughts on the table. They're incapable of emptying their minds simply to hear what their friends are saying. They're incapable of looking someone in the eye. They have to look anywhere else except at their friends. What's the point of practicing meditation if you're not able to apply the skill somewhere else? What's the point? What a waste of time. Go to something else. As I said before, you don't get to decide if you're being present or not. You're present when other people say you are. 
And I realized this. I had a meeting once with a group of people, and one of the people in the room is a yoga instructor, a very, very sort of senior, respected, high, quote-unquote, high-ranking yoga instructor. She was on her cell phone the entire time she was sitting next to me. Oh, no. And she was, she was texting, she was techie, checking Instagram, and every now and then she would look up and say, I love yoga, it helps me feel present. I'm like, are you, a, is this a joke? <laughs> oh, God. I, I literally, I, I'm, I'm a very bad poker player. The, the look on my face, every time she, and you know what, I have, I have zero respect for her as a yoga instructor. Because she thinks being present is something she does in class. Mm-hmm. And don't give me this off-the-mat stuff. Off the mat is not about finding your breath. It's not, you know, it's not about finding the feelings you have in yoga. It's, no, off the mat is the time where you're giving what you learn to others because you're no longer on the mat practicing. It's called practice. It's called practice so that you give it to others. Yeah. Like a a medical practice, a legal practice, right? You perfect a skill in service to others. And I think people forget that. That's what off the mat means. It means I'm no longer studying. I'm no longer in a classroom environment rehearsing and studying and practicing. This is now the big game. I'm now in the presence of other people. Now is the time for me to take all that I've been practicing three, four days a week and use that skill. And that's the really, really, really important part that we don't do. Yeah. It's like running a race and then just not bothering to cross the finish line. Well, you've got to go the whole way. It's worse than that, actually. It's like practicing for the race and every not single even... day of your life for a year and then just deci- deciding, deciding you just don't want to run it. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I mean, especially now with the way that, you know, just these types of practices, yoga, meditation, mindfulness, how these practices have... I mean, I hate to say it like this, but it's like the way it's now sort of glamorized or it's become sort of like uh, a fad, you know, with people doing it or, you know, posting these beautiful quotes on Instagram, but you're still scrolling and clicking and missing your life as it happens, you know? I I, I was witness to uh, something. I went to a wedding. It was the most beautiful wedding. And five people sitting next to me in the row we're taking pictures of the couple standing there exchanging their vows. Amazing. Beautiful. And then five people all put their heads down. We're posting it on Instagram. Looking, they, spent, they were looking for filters while the couple was exchanging vows. Okay, a wedding lasts like 20 minutes. Tops. Right? That's how long a wedding lasts. Tops. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So you're telling me that you're so incapable of being present. Take the pictures. I'm all in favor of it but you can't wait 20 minutes to post the pictures. They literally missed their friend's wedding because they were choosing filters. Like, what's the point? Mm -hmm. At least when we had cameras before they were connected to the Internet, we took the pictures and then we just sat there with the camera in our lap. Right. (laughs) And then you had to wait for the pictures to be developed, et cetera. Right, right, (laughs) right. Now, I have no problem with people doing yoga just for fashion. I have no problem with people doing yoga just for exercise. Oh, I don't either. And I have no problem with people doing yoga for selfish reasons so they can be present. I got no beef with it, right? Right. But, but then just call a spade a spade. Right. Agreed. Right? Yeah. Don't, don't be walking around talking about mindfulness and presence and telling me how to live my life. Right. 
as you know? as she sits across the table from you just watching her phone the entire time. Exactly. Exactly right. <laughs> like you want to teach yoga, teach yoga. you want to you know, you want to get really good at it, awesome. Right. You want to help others get really good at it, awesome. But don't you dare claim to be some authority on presence. Because the hypocrisy is, is you could cut it with a knife. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. You need to start teaching yoga. That's maybe your next venture. Um, yeah. <laughs> what's, what's your favorite part in the book? Let's get back to Together is Better. My favorite part of Together is Better is actually, it's, um, there's, there's two parts that I, there's, actually, I'll take, there's three parts. There's okay. one that happens in the beginning, one that happens in the middle, one at the end. My, my, my favorite illustration in the whole book is when the kids are all standing in front of the wall. In front of the up. wall. Yep. That's my favorite too. That's the best part. Okay. Right? Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. That's my favorite illustration because that to me is everything. That's like, that's, that's life. Uh-huh. That's every single day where we are confronted with big walls and small walls and you can stare at the wall or you can figure out how to get over the wall. And, and there's two types of people in the world. There are people that see the thing that they want and there are people that see the thing that's getting in the way of the thing that they want. In other words, some people can only see the wall and some people can only see what's on the other side of the wall. You know? And, and that to me is just the reminder that every day I have to wake up and see what's beyond the wall. And the wall is just something I have to get around. Um, so I absolutely love that one. That one to me is like, that's the inspirational get out of bed in the morning. Okay. You know? Yeah. Um, um, then there's a, then there's a, there's a, we did this on purpose and I'm really glad we did it, which is every single page has a quote on it, right? Every picture mm-hmm. has a quote, Yeah. except in the middle, except in the middle, when one of the characters falls in the river and he's getting whisked away and his friends have to panic and try and rescue him. And there's no quotes. There's no quotes. There's about two or three pages that have no quotes. And it's the most compelling part of the book where you find yourself completely sucked the drama, the humanness. And I'm, the reason I love it is, is because it's about the kids. It's about the story. It's about us. It's not about Simon and his little quotes. And it's, it's, it's by the time you get there, you have total empathy for their story. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm really proud of that. In the silly little quote book, that that, that can happen, you know? Mm-hmm. That you catch your breath as you get to that page, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then... And then a page where I've seen, this I didn't expect, but people, I've seen it happen, it happened in front of me, and people have told me that they cried when they read the book. And it's at the point where one of the character, where the king gives his crown to one of the kids, yeah. and, and he takes the crown and he hands it to the other kid. And, like, that's what it means to be a leader. Mm. And when we offer you the title, you give it away. When we offer you the authority, you give it away. Like that to me is, is the lesson of the book. Mm-hmm. And I, I, the reason I love it is not because I expected to love it. I didn't. It's because I, 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 my, I, more than once, a friend who read it, the book for the first time sitting right next to me cried. Mm-hmm. And I'm... Just like, what an amazing, what an amazing honor that I can write something or produce something that touches somebody in that kind of way. It really is a great book. I mean, I'm not saying that just because so you, you like wrote it. it, but it really is, you know, and, and especially 
just the story and the, the feeling of that togetherness and, and going on this journey, you know, with, with someone, you know, it's just, it, and how important it is and how much better it is. It's, it's truly inspiring and it's, it's beautifully written, you know, in all the metaphors and all the quotes, everything is, is a really lovely experience and it is an experience. Thank you. Um, Thank you so, for so. Yeah. So who has recently inspired you? Um, so I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always inspired by, by people who commit themselves to a life of service, yeah. you know? Um, and so some, some of the people who inspire me are, are, a bit, are a big deal, you know, they're CEOs or generals, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I hear them talk about their people and the love and respect they have for their people, I, 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 I'm just so inspired I recently had dinner with Gary Ridge, who's the CEO of the company WD40. And just the way he talks about his people and his love and respect he has for his people and how he's trying hard to create an environment of culture and learning, an environment of of learning, rather, a culture of learning for them to grow. Like, I was just, just, I wish more CEOs could be like him, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Totally inspired. Um, But I hear stories, you know, by people we don't know who teachers or parents or, you know, who committed themselves to just the life of others. Um, it's humbling. Yeah. It's absolutely humbling. Wow. Simon, thank you so much. I Just a couple more questions. One thing I do want to say for the people listening, we are going to do a three book giveaway. So that's really exciting. Um, and I, yeah, I know it's fun. So, and <laughs> talking about social media, we're going to do it on social media and Simon, okay. and, Simon and it's I are, balance, right? no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're going to be, you know, they're going to listen to the podcast. They're going to go on Instagram and they're going to, um, write an inspirational quote on Instagram and then tag, uh, either myself or you or both and use the hashtag together is better and we'll choose three winners and they'll each get a signed copy of the book so yay wonderful why don't we um why don't we um add an extra level to that (gasps) oh which is not something we can which is not something we can judge but something we can ask okay which is whatever they write that that it inspires them to call someone and tell them whatever messages they want. So maybe it's a quote about gratitude, so then they have to call someone and say thank you. Oh. Maybe it's an, a quote about love, so they have to call someone and say, or, or to their face tell them that they love them. Okay. In other words, we want them to act in the service of another based on whatever the quote inspires them to do. And we can, we can't check them. There's nothing we can do to check them. The honor system. We can only give away the books to the quotes that they post, but we're asking them to follow through. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that like, so much. Like, don't be that person. Don't be that person. Don't be that person who on Father's Day, you post a picture of you as a little kid <laughs> in the arms of your dad and be like, happy Father's Day, and your dad's not on Instagram. Right. You know? Exactly. Like, <laughs> like, go ahead and post it. Sure, whatever. But why don't you call your dad and say, hey, I love you. And that's what we're asking. Right. Go ahead and post, but... You know, the follow-through matters. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you say that because I did that last... Well, I look, I have a great relationship with my both my parents, but I did that last year and I, I posted not only... I didn't put a quote. I, I wrote like an entire paragraph about 
how my dad's inspired me and how his love, you know, just really made me, you know, love him so much and showed me what real love is, real unconditional love. And, you know, I posted it and of course I spent Father's Day with him and somebody had mentioned the post and then I was like, oh yeah, dad, I posted this thing and I read it to him, Simon, and he started crying because he was like, that's so... You know, and I was like, oh, I, I feel like you just, you should know that, you know, <laughs> like you should just feel that, you know, I didn't know that I had Isn't it. Isn't that ironic? You spent all this time writing this heartfelt message to your dad on Instagram. <laughs> right. I know. And then like, you had to read it to your dad. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay. Well, so in closing, oh, so my why is to empower people to feel radically loved and to be of service, by the way. I love so, it. I love it. I love um, it. So that's, you know, part of, of my journey and, and part of, you know, what, what I do for a living with the, the you know, teaching mm-hmm. yoga and meditation and, and being a coach, et cetera. So what do you radically love? Um, I, I radically love the people around me mm. who let me be me. Wow. To the, to, the, to, the, to the handful of friends I have in my life who make me feel safe being me. Thank you so much. From the bottom of my heart, Simon, thank you so much for being a guest and thank you for writing this beautiful book and for all your other books as well. But this one in particular uh, really is is something to be experienced uh, with someone else (laughs) as well. So thank you so much for for this and for your time and for uh, everything that you do and your service to the world. Thank you. Thank you, Rosie, and thank you for giving me a space to share my ideas. Hey, everyone. For more information, visit www.radicallyloved.com. You can follow me on Instagram at Rosie Acosta and on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. If you have any questions, email info at radicallyloved.com. Thanks for listening.